Welcome to Addressing Alaskans, where we feature community conversations around South Central Alaska. Join us on Alaska Public Media as we travel throughout our community and listen to local groups discuss what matters to them. Today on Addressing Alaskans, the Anchorage Economic Development Corporation's 2021 Economic Forecast. Reports will be given by AEDC President and CEO Bill Pop, and will be followed by keynote speakers Governor Mike Dunleavy and Senator Lisa Murkowski. This event was recorded on January 27th at Alaska Public Media and via video call. Here's Bill Pop. Hello and welcome to the 2021 Anchorage Economic Development Corporation Economic Forecast Luncheon. My name is Bill Pop, and I'm president and CEO of the Anchorage Economic Development Corporation. Thank you for joining us for today's virtual event produced live at the studios of Alaska Public Media. We would now like to take a moment to acknowledge the Denina people and the native village of Eklutna for their past, present, and future as past, present, and future stewards of, of, their, of, of their traditional homeland, which covers the municipality of Anchorage. Thank you for joining us. We have a wide-ranging program planned for you today and hope you find value in the information and perspectives we will share. We have an amazing lineup of speakers today. Chair of the AEDC Board of Directors, Mike Houston, is going to lead things off. Next, we'll be joined by Acting Mayor Austin Quinn Davidson. And after my presentation of the 2021 Economic Forecast, we'll have keynote addresses from Governor Mike Dunleavy and Senator Lisa Murkowski. So let's now turn to the reason we are all here. On behalf of the AEDC Board of Directors, it is my pleasure to present the AEDC 2021 Economic Forecast. Now, there's a lot to cover in today's presentation. What's on the minds of consumers and businesses? Are businesses still hiring? What did COVID-19 do to the economy in 2020? And are we on the road to recovery in 2021 and beyond? Today's presentation will try to answer these questions and offer perspectives and insights that should help you to better plan for the coming year as you chart a course for your business and your career through these unprecedented times we all find ourselves in. All of these reports contain far more detail than I can cover today, so I encourage you to download and read them from our website, aedcweb.com, where they are posted now. Now, the first report we will examine today is what is on the minds of local consumers with the presentation of the latest Anchorage Consumer Optimism Index survey results for the fourth quarter of 2020. This survey was performed by Alaska Survey Research and uses the Northern Economics Alaska Consumer Optimism Index survey tool. So why is consumer optimism important? Well, if consumers are optimistic, they are more likely to buy services and stuff, and that drives more jobs being created in our city. And if consumers are less optimistic, that can mean less jobs. The results of the fourth quarter survey show consumers more pessimistic than the third quarter at 43.5. The fourth quarter index shows consumers are now less optimistic about the Anchorage economy than they have been since AEDC began reporting this metric in 2010. Let's take a look at the components of the index to better understand what is driving consumer thinking. There are three perspectives of consumer confidence that make up the overall index. Local economic confidence, personal financial confidence, and future expectations. Local economic confidence at 37.2 is the lowest level of confidence AEDC has ever reported. Given the disastrous impacts of COVID-19 in 2020, it is easy to understand why consumers are feeling so down about the economy. But personal financial confidence remains relatively high at 62.7, which seems to be a contradiction given all the bad news about jobs and businesses. But it starts to make sense when you consider all the federal aid businesses and workers received over the last eight months. 
Future expectations show Anchorage consumers are markedly pessimistic about the future of the Anchorage economy. This is the lowest level of consumer confidence in the future that AEDC has ever reported at 37. Now that we have this snapshot of consumer optimism, let's turn to the, what local businesses are thinking about the coming year with the presentation of the AEDC Business Confidence Index survey results for 2021. The survey is compiled by McKinley Research Group. The AEDC Business Confidence Survey had 210 individual businesses participate this year. Using several questions about what businesses thought about profits, sales, hiring, capital expenditures, and the outlook for the Anchorage economy in 2021, this year's BCI Composite Index stands at 48.5, down nearly seven points from last year's index that was announced before COVID came to town. In general, businesses feel that gross sales will be down modestly, net profits will be tight, modest levels of hiring are expected, capital investments will decline, and the economy will be facing headwinds. While this is a substantial decline, this year's index of 48.5 falls in the we're not sure range of the BCI scale of 0 to 100. Business leaders overall are expressing their uncertainty about the coming year. They are neither optimistic or pessimistic. Now, to better understand the challenges businesses feel about our, that our economy faces in the coming year, we asked them to name the biggest barriers to growth in the economy in 2021. Besides the obvious issues of the conditions of the state and national economy uh, and the spread of the COVID-19 uh, virus, cost of health care and availability, cost and job readiness of workforce are still substantial challenges to Anchorage businesses. These labor-related challenges can be viewed as a positive for the future of our economy, as it is a clear sign that businesses have unmet needs for workers in, the, in a number of industry sectors. The challenge will be to effectively address the skills shortage in that workforce and lack of availability of workers to meet business needs. Now, the years-long ongoing state fiscal crisis and Alaska's inability to develop a comprehensive policy solution has ranked as the number one issue affecting Anchorage, the Anchorage economy by local businesses for the last several years of this survey. The ongoing pandemic and declining rates of North Slope oil production came in second and third. The impacts of homelessness, the cost of health care, and community safety continue to rank in the top ten. But several new issues entered the top 10 this year. Attracting new businesses and retaining existing businesses was very much on the minds of local business leaders. And a final issue to highlight is access to in-person classroom learning for K-12 students. We believe this is a twofold issue for businesses, assuring a good education for the future workforce of our city and to address the challenges of parents unable to come to work because students are at home instead of, uh, instead of in school. Now, we asked local business leaders about possible solutions they would support as part of a comprehensive fix to the state's fiscal crisis and offered a number of options that have been raised over the last few years. Support for reductions to the permanent fund dividend saw a modest increase in support in this year's survey, up 2% from last year. It continues to rank as the most supported option with 74% overall support. Support for reductions in state spending rose by 7% from last year, moving this option up one spot as the second most supported option was 73% support. Coming in as the third most supported option is a statewide sales tax with 70% overall support, down 1% from last year. The least popular option, with only 35% support, was elimination of the permanent fund dividend. 
Ultimately, the results of this year's BCI demonstrates clearly that the state's fiscal crisis remains the most important issue on the minds of local business leaders, as is the need for a solution to be worked out by the state of Alaska this year. Now, what if balancing the budget was up to you? Our second poll question is, which strategy would you prioritize for addressing the state budget gap? Use the information on the screen or in the Zoom chat to participate. We'll show the results later in the program. Now, AEDC hears from uh, local business people about the many needs of Anchorage requiring community investment. Through the BCI survey, AEDC asked local business leaders if they would support a local sales tax if it was dedicated to economic development projects to revitalize our economy. 57% agreed with this idea and 43% disagreed. We'll pose the same question to you, our audience, with the third poll question. Should the municipality of Anchorage establish a dedicated sales tax to support economic development projects to revitalize our economy? Now, let's now turn to a bright spot for the Anchorage economy in 2020, the housing market. Sales of single-family homes in 2020 reached a high point for the last decade with over 3,200 homes sold. This, and this spike in sales occurred in the face of a recent record low in average inventory for sale that was down by almost a third compared to 2019. Inventory, uh, in low inventories, low interest rates were a key driver of this surge in sales, pent-up demand from families looking to upsize and retirees looking to downsize were other influences. And the impacts of adults working from home and kids learning from home at the same time also likely had an impact on families choosing to seek a new home. And this spike in demand, coupled with significantly lower uh, numbers of homes for sale, recently uh, directly impacted home prices in 2020. Last year saw the average price of a home sold in Anchorage rise by near to, 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 excuse me, to nearly $394,000, an all-time record high for our city. Many of the conditions that led to this year's record uh, for sales and prices will likely remain in place in 2021. Although there's been a recent surge in home construction permit applications that may offer some relief to the inventory shortages seen in 2020. Overall, 2021 should be another good year for sellers of homes, real estate agents, contractors, mortgage companies, and other housing-related businesses. Now, as we prepare to look forward into 2021's job market, we need the context of the year we just left behind. Let's next recap the Anchorage job market in 2020. First, we begin with a quick look back at the 2019 employment data. 2019 was the fifth year of the ongoing recession we were dealing with before COVID-19 came to town. We ended the year down 200 jobs and a 0.2% loss compared to 2018. Unemployment averaged only 5.1% in 2019. This set the stage for what we thought was going to be our first year of growth and the end of the recession in 2020. But that was not to be thanks to an unprecedented economic and human disaster no one saw coming. In the first quarter of 2020, we saw a continuation of the modest job losses we saw in 2019. Although AEDC remained hopeful, a turnaround was coming. Then COVID-19 came to town and all bets were off. Average job losses for 2020 stand at 12,400, equal to an 8.3% loss of jobs compared to 2019. Average unemployment ballooned to 10%, equal to an average of over 12,000 people out of work for the year. Looking at job losses by industry sector for 2020, leisure and hospitality saw the biggest losses down 4,300 jobs. This sector includes hotels, restaurants, bars, 
and related businesses. Retail trade lost 1,300 jobs, followed by 1,200 jobs lost in the combined goods producing sector that includes construction, oil and gas, and manufacturing, jobs based here in Anchorage. Transportation sector losses, losses of 1,000 were driven mainly by losses related to airline passenger operations at Anchorage International Airport. Professional and business services losses of 900 jobs was driven by cutbacks in commercial construction and the shutdown of most development efforts in the oil and gas sector. Surprising to some is the losses seen in healthcare that reached 900 jobs lost. The shutting down of elective procedures and reductions in administrative support jobs contributed to losses in this sector. All sectors of the Anchorage economy lost jobs in 2020, with the exception of the federal government, which gained 200 jobs during this period, thanks mainly to the hiring for the census. But even when a city is losing jobs overall, there is still hiring going on. So how much hiring was going on in 2020? Let's take a look. The next report we'll examine is the results of the AEDC 2020 year-end real-time jobs intelligence report. We get our jobs data using the proprietary JobsEQ research tool to analyze online job postings. In 2020, there were over 41,000 unique jobs uh, postings in Anchorage and the Mananuska Susitna Borough, posted by more than 5,000 employers seeking workers. Over 700 occupations were represented in these job postings, and over 450 kinds of certifications were included as a qualification needed to apply. Now, overall, 2020 saw total demand for unskilled workers decline significantly, while total demand for semi-skilled and skilled workers remained relatively steady. Overall, job postings in 2020 were down by 8,000 compared to 2019. This represents about a 17% decline in overall job postings. And now it's time for the main event. It is my pleasure to present the AEDC one-year economic forecast for 2021. The AEDC one-year economic forecast is our organization's most read report. Before I begin, I want to note the big challenge our team faced in developing this year's forecast. COVID-19, as well as the uncertainties for the global, national, and state economies, were all wild cards in this year's forecast. We've done our best to take all of the variables we can quantify into account. But even then, the level of uncertainty that surrounds us all made this, surrounds us all made this year's forecast incredibly challenging to develop. In this context, we have good news to share with you today, just with a note of caution. So now, let's now look at the year ahead for the Anchorage economy. To start today's forecast, let's turn to our city's population before we address jobs. This is important because we have been dealing with a declining population since we reached our record high of 301,000 citizens in 2013. In 2021, AEDC forecasts Anchorage's population will decline by nearly 2,000, over the last seven years, the city has lost 12, over 12,000 citizens, a 4.1% decline. In 2020 alone, Anchorage saw a loss of about 3,500 people, a 1.5% loss year over year. The 2021 projections increases the loss to 14,000 people in eight years. In recent years, there has been an increasing trend of outmigration from Anchorage to the lower 48, including a, a growing trend of outmigration by new retirees from Anchorage to the lower 48. Population declines are becoming a red flag for Anchorage's future opportunities for growth and should be a front and center issue for our city to address in the coming years. Let us begin our jobs outlook with the oil and gas sector. While a relatively small number of jobs in this sector are based in Anchorage, this industry is one of the major pillars of the Alaska economy 
and is a major direct and indirect driver of the Anchorage economy as a result. Anchorage oil and gas jobs, mainly based in headquarters operations for the statewide industry, peaked in 2015 and have been in decline since then due to the oil industry recession of 2016 and 2017 and the slow partial recovery that followed. 2020 saw the loss of 400 jobs due to the pandemic-induced collapse of global oil markets and the departure of BP from Alaska. Optimism for this sector comes from the defeat of Proposition 1, the oil industry tax increase on last November's ballot, a recent recovery of oil prices into the mid-$50 range, huge new oil discoveries on the North Slope, the mitigation of the pandemic thanks to the hope for broad development of uh, broad deployment of vaccine by the latter half of 2021, and appearances of a stabilizing oil uh, global oil market benefiting from an improving global economic outlook. Growth in statewide monthly oil and gas job numbers should see solid increases by late 2021. Risks include a resurgence of the pandemic, global oil market instability, the continued investment uncertainties associated with the lack of a state fiscal policy solution, and potential future changes in federal energy policy that could curtail oil development in Alaska. AEDC projects average annual oil and gas jobs in Anchorage should rise by a total of 100 new jobs. There will be growth, but it will be slow to develop until later in 2021. In the Anchorage healthcare sector, our city's second largest employment sector, saw losses of 800 jobs in 2020 due mainly to the curtailment of elective procedures that impacted support staff in this sector. AEDC projects that average annual employment in healthcare in the healthcare sector should increase by 400 jobs in 2021. The transportation sector lost 1,300 jobs in 2020. Hardest hit in this sector was the air passenger, is air passenger transportation. AEDC projects that average annual employment in the transportation sector should increase by 400 jobs in 2021. The Anchorage construction sector lost 500 jobs in 2020, averaging 7,100 jobs for the year, with a seasonal peak of 8,300 in the summer. AEDC projects the construction sector should see flat results in 2021. No increase in jobs, but no losses either. The Anchorage leisure and hospitality sector, Anchorage's fifth largest employment sector, lost 4,300 jobs in 2020, the largest loss by any sector uh, that year. AEDC projects that average annual employment in the leisure and hospitality sector should increase by 1,700 jobs in 2021, the largest increase projected for any industry sector in Anchorage. The Anchorage retail sector, Anchorage's fourth largest employment sector, lost 1,300 jobs in 2020, the second highest job loss for any industry sector. This is the fifth consecutive year of job losses for this sector. AEDC projects that average annual employment in the retail sector should increase by 400 jobs in 2021. The Anchorage government sector, Anchorage's largest employment sector, which includes federal, state, local, University of Alaska, and Anchorage school district jobs, lost 800 jobs in 2020. At 26,400 total jobs, this is the lowest levels of total government employment since 1999. Today, one out of five jobs in Anchorage are government-based. AEDC projects that average annual employment in the government sector should increase by 100 jobs in 2021. Professional and business services sector, Anchorage's third largest employment sector, saw a loss of 800 jobs in 2020. AEDC projects that average annual employment in professional and business service sector should increase by 300 jobs in 2021. 
Now, while AADC does not project growth for the military in Anchorage, we wanted to underscore the importance of the military to the Anchorage economy. Operations at J-Bear account for over 30,000 direct and indirect jobs in Anchorage and Matsu. 10% of all employment, or one out of 10 jobs in the region, are tied to the military. The presence of the military in Anchorage and Alaska continues to be a bright spot in the overall economy. So to sum up, AEDC forecasts the addition of 4,000 jobs in 2021. This, should, this would be the largest year-over-year -year increase in Anchorage jobs since 2001. The growth in jobs will ramp up in the second half of the year as we begin the multi-year recovery process for the Anchorage economy. Sectors that stand out for growth in 2021 include leisure and hospitality, retail, transportation, healthcare, and professional and business services. There is no sector that is projected to lose jobs in 2021. Now, our forecast is based on assumptions such as a partial recovery of the tourism and oil and gas sectors that will drive growth in retail and professional and business services. And the foundation of our projection is the widespread deployment of the COVID-19 vaccines and a community focused on suppressing the pandemic through mask wearing, social distancing, and avoiding large groups. We are counting on the citizens of Anchorage to do their part by getting vaccinated and wearing their masks until we are sure COVID-19 is a bad memory and a lesson for the future. Now in closing, in the face of all that, is all that was awful in the last year, we still have every reason to be optimistic about the future. 4,000 recovery jobs in 2021 is one reason for optimism. A healthy housing market driving new resident, residential construction is another reason. The nearly $700 million in proposed logistics facilities at Anchorage International Airport. The potential of billions of dollars of new North Slope oil investments in the next five years. These are all reasons for Alaskans to be optimistic about the future of Anchorage and our state. To be sure, this will be a long journey to full recovery. We have both the five-year recession and the pandemic to recover from. To see a full economic recovery, Anchorage needs to add a combined 18,400 jobs, which will take years to accomplish. But we can do this if we work together as we always have in the past when we set high expectations for ourselves. We as Alaskans should expect the state of Alaska to solve the fiscal policy crisis this year. We should all work together to beat the COVID-19 pandemic. We should fully resolve the funding needs for the Port of Alaska and rebuild this linchpin of the Alaska economy for the coming decades of growth. We should support and encourage investment in Anchorage International Airport, Alaska's North Slope oil resources, and other key industries. And finally, we should expect our local government, business, and community leaders to have a long-term plan for the future of our city. We can no longer accept short-term planning built around the next election cycle. What is the plan for reinvestment in our city? What is the plan for assuring our schools and universities are some of the best in the state, if not the nation? What is our plan to revitalize downtown and to reinvest in other parts of our city to grow opportunity for all? What is our plan to solve the many issues that challenge our city, like homelessness, addiction, and crime? What is our plan to grow a prosperous, livable, and vital anchorage that will truly be a beacon in the North? AEDC is doing everything it can to advance reinvestment in our city with a focus on downtown, UMED, and the Chester Creek Greenbelt as opportunities that create jobs and expanded tax space and improve key elements important to the quality of life in our city. 
AEDC's ultimate goal is to make Anchorage a great city to live, work, and play that will attract and retain workforce critical to our future success as a community. Anchorage has a bright future. We truly do. We just have to expect more of ourselves and each other and just do it. We are Anchorage and there is nothing we cannot accomplish together. This was just a small snapshot of the mountains of data and comprehensive reports we have available on our website, aedcweb.com. And you can stay up to date by following us on any or all of these social media platforms. Thank you so much for your interest and attention. And now, it is my great pleasure to introduce our first keynote speaker, Governor Michael Dunleavy. Governor Dunleavy served on the Matsu uh, Borough School Board, including two years as board president. He was elected to the state legislature and served as a senator for five years before being elected governor in 2018. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Governor Mike Dunleavy to the 2021 AEDC Economic Forecast. Thank you. Thanks uh, for having me today and uh, giving me this opportunity to talk a little bit about the state, where it's been, where we are now, and where we're going. So as we know, 2020 was quite the year. It, uh, it's, it's turned the entire world upside down. And um, it's, um, it, it's really, I think, to, to a great extent, going to define how we address a number of issues going forward and where we're going to be as a state. Mm -hmm. Before we go to 2020, we want to talk about 2019. 2019 was a year of a lot of optimism. Unemployment rates were hitting historic lows. In September of, uh, September of 2020, we had dipped below 6%. Excuse me, 2019, we had dipped below 6%. And then in March of 2020, right before the pandemic really took hold in the state, we had an unemployment rate down around 5.2, 5.1%. There was billions of dollars of investment going into Alaska, billions of dollars of investment going into the slope in our oil production, but also millions, hundreds of millions of dollars headed for our airport as well, and our mining throughout the state of Alaska. So we were in a process of continuing to add jobs, continuing to add investment, continuing to add opportunity. And then of course this virus hit. So matter of fact, um, we're gonna be celebrating or warning the uh, one year anniversary of how this virus got to Alaska, when it got to Alaska with the plane that came in from China. We accepted that plane here at the Ted Stevens International Airport that was full of State Department officials and their families fleeing China at that time uh, because of the virus, the spread of the virus that was occurring there. Immediately when that plane landed, we stood up our emergencies operations center. And Alaska has been honed through the, the generations uh, on how to deal with calamities, catastrophes, natural disasters. So we had a pretty good core to our team to begin with. And then of course we added the health aspect to it. But nonetheless, before the virus itself ever, rise in our, uh, ever arrived in our population, we worked hard to put into structures, put in the systems and anticipate to the best of our ability what we were going to be dealing with shortly. And it's a good thing we did that. Because as we know, this virus is uh, circling the globe. It's infected millions. It's caused uh, untold suffering through economic uh, collapse, mitigation and collapse. It's, uh, it's disrupted our lives uh, from top to bottom. One of the things that we looked at when this virus arrived is how we were gonna protect ourselves, individual Alaskans, and make sure our systems did not collapse. Because as you remember, the early uh, predictions were wide scale hospitalization, infection, and thousands of Alaskans, uh, it was determined would perish as a result of this virus. Those were the early models. When we realized uh, in the spring, uh, uh, early April, that the models were inaccurate, thank goodness, and that although there would be widespread infection, it really was a virus that was gonna be targeting our elderly and those with underlying health conditions. 
we all breathed a sigh of relief when we realized that this virus really doesn't impact children. Um, as a matter of fact, there's, there's a number of childhood diseases that, uh, that are worse for children than this particular disease. So with that, we began our efforts to focus on our elderly and our senior populations. We began the process of having discussions on how to mitigate this virus. And again, early on when we had the, uh, these early predictions and early models, we, um, we put some tight restrictions on the state of Alaska. But as soon as we determined that this was not going to be the case in terms of uh, depth and, and hospitalization rates that folks had predicted, from the state level, from the state perspective, we started to um, reverse those restrictions quickly. And so that by May, from a statewide perspective, uh, businesses were open, society was open. And uh, we were glad to say that uh, many of our communities, especially our isolated communities, never saw the infection get there because we were very, uh, we were very concerned that, that we didn't want to have a repeat of 1918 when the Spanish flu hit Alaska. A lot of people may not realize this, but uh, Alaska, especially our native Alaskan population, population was hit harder than any other population on the planet. So we wanted to make sure that our folks in rural Alaska with not a lot of hospital capacity, uh, um, transportation issues, uh, et cetera, multi-generations living under one roof. Initially, folks had predicted that this population was gonna be a prime target for this virus. So we worked very hard to mitigate that. So when we look at where we are with the virus, once again, the experts predicted Alaska was gonna suffer greatly. The fact of the matter is that right now, Alaska is, Alaska is considered by many to be one of the safest, if not safest states in the country from a virus perspective. Um, we consistently rank in, in the, in, in, with numbers and data in the positive category, second lowest death numbers, uh, some of the lowest death rates. Our hospitalizations the last several days, for example, have only been in the 40s uh, with regard to COVID related uh, hospitalizations, which is terrific because that means our hospitals are, are gonna be staying intact and uh, we aren't going to overwhelm them. We are number one in the country in vaccination disbursement. What does that mean? For every 100 people, we have almost 14 out of 100 uh, individuals vaccinated. This is tremendous when you think that the closest states behind us are somewhere in the 10 and 11 uh, uh, number out of 100 per capita. This is due to the fact that once again, we had an idea what was coming our way. We saw what was happening in China. We saw what was happening in Seattle. We saw what happened in Italy. Uh, and we were seeing what was beginning to occur in New York City. And um, we used a lot of science. We used a lot of data. We never politicized this approach to the virus. And so with Alaskans' help and having constant discussions with Alaskans, I think we've done a tremendous job. Um, we're, as we look forward on the vaccinations, we are going to continue to ramp up our vaccinations. We are inoculating as many of our elderly, our seniors across the state of Alaska as we possibly can, uh, frontline healthcare workers, uh, we'll be moving through other categories here in the very near future to get as many people inoculated as possible. We can't explain why our death rates are so low. Uh, that's going to be something for the scientists and uh, the, the analyzing and the analyzers um, in the future. We're just glad we're in the position that we're in, in terms of our numbers. So what, is the, what does the vaccination do for us? It, it's certainly the light at the end of the tunnel. Everyone in the country is talking about how and why Alaska is doing so well. This is gonna bode well for our economy because again, as, as I mentioned, we are, we are administering as many vaccines as we possibly can in, a, in a, I think a well-developed complex uh, system that we put in place. We're gonna to continue to do that. And I believe we're gonna to continue to see our virus rates, infections level off and point downward, which they have in the last several weeks. 
We were warned that after the holiday travel, for example, in November and December, we were anticipating a large spike like we saw it on the lower 48, places like California, New York, um, Texas, never came here. We were anticipating this new variant, this new form of virus that uh, has come out of South Africa, the United Kingdom, and now Brazil. We don't know if it'll get here. Uh, we have folks going in and out of the state of Alaska, so there's a chance that it will, but we're also prepared to handle this as, handle this as well. When this virus first arrived, we did our first press conference and we, um, we laid out the facts that we knew at the time to the people of Alaska. We said we were gonna be open and transparent to the people of Alaska, but what we also said was this, that we're gonna get through this, just like we do earthquakes, just like we do floods, just like we do volcanic eruptions. We're going to get through this and we're gonna come out stronger. Um, as we look to the future, uh, there's going to be a, a period of time that we build our economy back up. And so with the help of the federal government, there's been CARES Act money that has come to the state of Alaska to assist with unemployment, to assist with mitigating the losses, especially for our local businesses, our small businesses across the state of Alaska. We also got, uh, we also got high praise for administering that money quickly, getting it out to businesses uh, to, as quickly as we possibly could. I know for some, it seemed like it took forever, and I understand that. Getting uh, funds out to municipalities, getting funds out to agencies and entities that were going to help with mitigating this virus. It was predicted that we wouldn't have much of a fishing season because there was grave concern that outside uh, processors and workers coming into the state of Alaska at that time would bring the virus with them in mass to our local communities. We worked very closely with our local communities, our fishing industry, processors, and others. And I'm, I'm glad to say that we came up with a safe approach for fishing and saved our fishing industry last year. And we're working now towards making sure that we can have a safe fishing season going into the spring and summer as well. Going into the future, what we need to be looking at is there will be assistance from the federal government. Um, they've already stated that CARES package will come through and there may be another CARES package and possibly an infrastructure package. If there is an infrastructure pack package, this will be an opportunity for Alaska to put a lot of people to work to build things that we can use now and for future generations. And we'll keep Alaskans posted as we, as we see what is actually going to occur in DC. And we, we certainly wanna have our fingerprints on any infrastructure bill that comes out to help Alaska with our many needs. Um, we all have to decide how we're going to help, as was mentioned earlier in the presentation, how we're gonna be part of the solution in strengthening our economy. Right now, for example, places like New York, California, Illinois, they're losing people. In some respects, they're hemorrhaging people to other states that uh, individuals believe they have opportunity. With the advent of remote work, it's gonna change the landscape. It makes Alaska potentially an attractive place for individuals that wanna to go to a place that's relatively safe from this perspective. Alaska is the only state in the country that not only had the numbers that we have in the virus and that we manage this virus better than any other state, but also the fact that it, we had a summer of discord in the lower 48 riots, uh, looting, shootings, police officer incidents, statue pulling. None of those things occurred here in Alaska. People see that, people know that, and more and more people are looking at Alaska as a possibility to move and do things like remote work. We have tremendous opportunities here in the state of Alaska. We know that. The previous administration, the President Bush, excuse me, President Trump, from my perspective, uh, was one of the best presidents for the state of Alaska. When you look at things like the Alberta to Alaska Railroad permit that he signed, Anwar, those lease, that, that ability to lease the, uh, the oil uh, uh, prospects up in Anwar, the Tongass, um, multiple other uh, mineral plays, oil possibilities, timber, 
all became a reality to a great extent under the previous administration. We have a new administration now, and right out of the gate, the new administration is looking at curtailing some of our opportunities here in the state of Alaska and across this country. This doesn't bode well for opportunities. This doesn't bode well necessarily for employment, wealth creation, revenue creation. But we're going to work with this administration where we can, and we're going to oppose it where we have to if some of their uh, policies are hurtful to Alaska. So we'll be working with all Alaskans, again, to make sure that Alaska has as much opportunity as possible. So when we look at the future, personally, I believe it's bright. We have tremendous resources in Alaska. We have an incredible uh, international airport in Anchorage and one in Fairbanks that I think we'll see more business as time goes on. Recently, it was announced that the half a billion dollar investment that was slated for the international airport here in Anchorage is going to occur. So there'll be more work on um, handling cargo and there's gonna be plenty of opportunities for folks to, uh, to get jobs in that industry as well as uh, building out those cargo facilities. We're gonna to continue to work with investors in the lower 48 uh, that wanna look at Alaska as a potential place uh, to put their money. With our rare earths, with our commercial grade graphite finds, with our metal mines, with our gas prospects, we have tremendous opportunities. We are working on that to make sure that our permitting processes our regulatory processes are competitive with the lower 48. And that's one of the thoughts I would leave the audience with. When you have states like Texas and Florida that are doing everything they can to attract business and to attract individuals, they are continually looking at their policies, their laws, their regulations, their tax regimes. In Alaska being far away with a small population away from markets and not with a, not a lot of infrastructure, we have to continually hone our ability to make sure that we're attractive. And so this too will be discussions that we'll be having with Alaskans as we go through the legislative process. When we look at the legislative process and the budget that we proposed, the budget that we proposed was one to deal with this emergency this year. It's a budget that's designed to get businesses up off their feet, to get workers back to work, and to assist Alaskans who have not been able to work or had their hours reduced so that they have money in their hands to pay bills to take care of needs, unmet needs that have occurred throughout this pandemic. We believe that the $5 billion that we are proposing to interject into the economy, the economy uh, will have a terrific outcome. For those that are concerned about that amount of money being injected in the economy and where it's coming from, from March to December, the earnings reserve of the permanent fund grew to over, uh, uh, saw a profit of over $10 billion, which is phenomenal. We're asking to take a portion of that and apply to the situation that we have here today in Alaska. And again, that money, that work through the bond process uh, that we're going to submit, the capital projects that we're going, the capital project budget that we're going to submit, I think all bodes well for putting people back to work, stimulating businesses, getting infrastructure in place, and making repairs for future opportunities here in Alaska. And so, once again, we said when this pandemic came, we were going to deal with it like we do as Alaskans. I think we demonstrated to the country that Alaskans know how to deal with calamities, including pandemics. We're doing well in managing this virus compared to other states. I am confident that we will manage it better as time goes on. I believe we'll be one of the few states that gets ahead of this early enough so that in spring and early summer, you're going to see the vast majority of our people that wanted a vaccination vaccinated, and I think you're going to see these numbers really bottom out. This will then be a call for folks to come visit Alaska. This will also be a place for investors to say to themselves once again, where would I want to live? Where would I want to have my workers live? 
what state um, provides a real opportunity? And again, I think if we work on some of our, our fiscal regime, I believe if we work on some of our um, um, uh, regulatory uh, uh, policies as well, I think we become more attractive. The, la the fact that there was no upheaval in Alaska this summer, and the fact that we're mitigating the virus really well, I think will be uh, attractive to both businesses and individuals. And so with that, I look forward to working with all Alaskans. I look forward to working with the legislature. I look forward to working with Anchorage. Um, and I look forward to working with uh, uh, your outfit as well, Bill. So I wanna thank you for this opportunity. Uh, we were in a dark spot. We're seeing the light. We got tremendous opportunity here in Alaska. We're gonna have to deal with this new administration on different levels, but really in the end, it's up to us Alaskans. Do we wanna make this the most competitive state in the country? in order to get as many folks looking at Alaska for investment and potentially moving here? Or do we not? It's really in our court. And again, we're going to have the conversations as to why I believe we should change some of the things we do currently in Alaska to attract more businesses and more opportunity. So again, I want to thank you. I wish you nothing but the, le uh, but the best in this presentation. And uh, we'll be having more discussions about Alaska. So thank you very much. Thank you, Governor Dunleavy. We appreciate you addressing us today. And now it is my great pleasure to introduce our final keynote speaker, Senator Lisa Murkowski. Senator Lisa Murkowski is the state's first Alaskan-born U.S. Senator and has served in the United States Senate since 2002. Senator Murkowski is a member of the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee, the Interior Environment Appropriations Subcommittee, and the Senate Committee on Indian Affairs and the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Senator Lisa Murkowski to the 2021 AEDC Economic Forecast. Bill, thank you for the introduction. Thank you for your leadership uh, there at AEDC, and thanks for the opportunity to be part of this really significant annual discussion. I'm uh, speaking to you from back in Washington, D.C. We've just commenced the 117th uh, Congress. I'd love to tell you that we've We've hit the ground running, but uh, frankly, that's that's not the case here. Uh, at the end of last year, we were successful in passing a number of key initiatives, including a COVID relief package. Uh, we passed the first major energy bill that we've seen in now 13 years. Uh, but here we are, it's almost the end of January, and we here in the Senate are still working to uh, get our organizing resolution through. So uh, listen to the governor's comments. And I, I feel in many ways like I'm back in the legislature in, in Juneau again, but we're, we're about done. We should be done with that tomorrow. But we are working with a new administration that's trying to get its feet on the ground. And, uh, and that brings its own set of complications. And, and then we have the prospects uh, of, of yet another impeachment trial uh, coming up in less than 10 days here. So it is, it is a very difficult start to the 117th Congress indeed. Uh, Bill, you mentioned that the numerous committees that uh, I serve on, I think most Alaskans know I have had the chairmanship of the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee now for the past six years. I, I am termed out in terms of my chairmanship on that, but I'm still the most senior member and I will be the ranking member on the Indian Affairs Committee, as you note, I'm still a senior member of the Appropriations Committee. As the governor has mentioned, we're all trying to figure out how we are working with a different group at the White House and the agencies. Um, we will figure out ways that, that we can work together in, in Alaska's interests. Um, 
but uh, as has been pointed out, we're already starting to see some warning signs that that will stand to, to impact our state. I'll, I'll come back to that topic in just a couple minutes here. But you you have asked for my thoughts, my input on the on the year ahead, and so I want to start with the most pressing challenge that we face in Alaska and and around the country, and that remains COVID. Um, I do think it is important to recognize the good news here and, and also to provide a sincere thank you uh, to Governor Dunleavy and his team, uh, to all of the Alaska public health teams, everyone from Dr. Uh, Ann Zink to the doctors, the nurses at the hospitals and the clinics, to all the folks at ANTHC who are handling, helping handle the vaccine distribution in rural areas, extraordinary work that's going on in the country. And We've all seen the news that, that Alaska is number one currently uh, in the country in terms of residents vaccinated on a per capita basis. Our case count has fallen from where it was in recent weeks and months. That only comes about because people are really committed to making this difference. And so I thank you for that. And that is indeed good news. But I think sometimes we, we, uh, we forget about that good news in light of the impacts that we're seeing from the virus and, and really what it's taking to, to recover. Um, starting with tourism. Tourism industry, of course, one of the main drivers in our economy. It's been devastated by COVID last year. These are, these are the families and businesses that depend on the 2.2 million annual visitors to our state, including the 1.4 million who are expected to arrive in Alaska by cruise ship last year. It's now been uh, 16 months since Alaska has seen a cruise ship. We recognize that our tourists come to us in different ways as well, but, but significantly uh, through the cruise industry. And when those, when those ships land, their passengers sustain the local restaurants, the hotels, the small businesses. They bring dollars not just into Southeast in our coastal communities there, but of course up into Anchorage, into the interior, all around the state. And, and the support to the railroad, to the motor coach companies, the air carriers that move them around, um, 2020 was difficult enough. We're looking back on that now. Uh, of course, the concern is that going into 2021, um, knowing that, uh, that the industry is not going to be back up on its feet and what that means to us, not only within the Anchorage area, but truly statewide. Uh, our fishing industry uh, has been able to continue operating throughout the pandemic and, and Governor Dunleavy has mentioned the efforts that were made early on to stand that up so that we could get through the, the, the summer season out in Bristol Bay, Cordova, down in Southeast. And seafood uh, continues to be that bright spot in, in our industry despite uh, some of what we're seeing right now, which is worrisome coming out of, of Accutan and in Dutch Harbor with, with some recent outbreaks there. But we've, we've overcome some significant challenges to keep most of the processing plants open and to support the independent harvesters whose businesses really would be suffering if we were not uh, able to keep fishing. At federal level, we've appropriated funding to help fishermen address the COVID-related losses. And recently, directed USDA to provide grants and loan support to seafood plants and processing vessels so that they can protect their workers uh, from COVID. But we've also got to remember that without a market for their catch, fishermen lose uh, revenue alongside the seafood companies and the entire uh, seafood supply chain falters. So um, we're, we're ever vigilant with this sector in this industry. But 
the, the, the depth, the, the breadth of the challenges that are faced by so many families and businesses, big and small, and for so long is why, why we in Congress have directed the COVID relief uh, that we have through this past year, last year, uh, $4.7 trillion in funding. It is significant. Our, our most recent um, relief effort, of course, came about the end of December. We provided for additional support for the Paycheck Protection Program, which has helped so many of our Alaskan businesses stay afloat this past year. Uh, we included an extension of the enhanced unemployment benefits to protect for those who've lost their jobs through no fault of their own. Uh, and an additional round of, of direct payments included in that year-end proposal. Uh, we also included another $284 uh, billion for forgivable PPP loans. Applications are, are now open. Um, we're already hearing from some of our banks around the state that they have more round two volume that they, than they had anticipated. I think this is yet another indicator that the economic strain is, is still significant out there. So please, we're, we're putting these resources out there and we will continue to do so to, to address the need. To, to address the crisis that so many individuals and their families are, are still facing, uh, we did include an additional round of the economic impact payments uh, at $600 a person, $1,200 for couples. Um, again, as you know, there is, there is ongoing discussion now about what are the next steps. Um, but I think it is important to, to, to put in context what we have just moved out the door. Again, we're talking about UI extension. We're talking about additional PPP support, uh, the, the individual um, uh, economic impact payments. Um, we've also provided uh, support for the transportation sector, which we know in Alaska, we rely on so greatly and they have been considerably stressed. We provided an additional 15 billion to the aviation payroll uh, support program to help our air carriers with this second round of what we call PSP. Uh, Alaska should receive um, some of the $14 billion that's provided for transit infrastructure grants. And knowing that the state is going to have flexibility with this on how it can spend its share, this could be there to be helpful for, for the inter island ferry system, for instance. Um, other critical transportation uh, providers, motor coaches, school buses, ferries, we've also included resources to address some of their needs as we absolutely know that they've seen that struggle. Uh, another measure that's important for Alaska, of course, is enhanced uh, unemployment insurance. I mentioned uh, additional payment of $300 per week over what the state would typically provide. That agreement that we passed out in December will take us through March 14th. Um, and, and again, we're looking to, uh, to, to stand by uh, if we need to address it address what we've been calling this unemployment cliff that would come in March. But, but really the goal here, certainly my goal, has been to make sure that our medical professionals have the resources that they need to address the pandemic and that all of the individuals, the families, the businesses that are affected by it face um, as, as, as little hardship as, as possible. So I, I, I came together with a group of bipartisan bicameral group of members back in November to try to break the impasse on where we were with relief. Um, we were successful in, in moving things forward. And, and again, you saw the results come out in December, but we're back at it again. We've, we've stayed together. We're working to determine what more might be needed in this next round of recovery uh, legislation. In my view, 
uh, one of the most important things, the most important thing that we can do right now is to ensure that the vaccines get out across the country in the fastest manner and the fairest manner possible, because this is how we get people back to work, kids back into the schools, and, and really our lives back to normal. So I'm advocating that we work quickly to pass uh, another round of, of public health funding, recognizing that this is where the priority needs to be. You've heard that uh, the Biden administration has rolled out its proposal, $1.9 trillion. Um, there are some, some very meritorious things I think that we need to look to. Again, more support for vaccine, contact tracing, testing, these are going to continue to be needed. Uh, what more we might need to do on UI if necessary, uh, whether or not we should allow uh, consider additional uh, economic payments, uh, additional support for PPP. But this is not the time nor the place to put on a COVID relief measure whatever it is that, uh, that, that now President Biden campaigned on as a candidate. So extraneous matters, in my view, such as, as increasing the, the national, the federal minimum wage to $15. That may be an argument for another discussion, but putting that on, on this measure is, is I think, ill-founded. So we're continuing to work within with folks within the Biden administration, specifically over at the National Economic Council, uh, to, to try to figure out how we are responsive to need while recognizing the, the responsibility that we have uh, with the taxpayer dollars. Now, I'm going to finish up my comments here, but I mentioned earlier that we're already seeing warning signs from other parts of the administration that are a concern. And I I recognize that when we're in the middle of an economic downturn caused by a global pandemic, it does not make any sense to take aim at the energy development that powers our country and the economies and the governments of, of so many of, of our Western states particularly. But that's what, uh, that's what we're starting to see. Last week, we heard a, a good words. I think they were good words. I think they were important and necessary words about national healing and unity. Um, we need this. But this has not been a good week in demonstrating that. We've seen the appointments of, of a few individuals who, who ascribe to a keep it in the ground philosophy. Uh, last week, we saw the announcement of a 60-day pause for federal leasing and, and permitting activities uh, where effectively decisions are taken out of the hands of local decision makers and restricted to a smaller group of senior officials back at what they call headquarter uh, levels. This morning, um, there was a new order issued uh, that effectively um, institutes a de facto uh, ban on new development uh, on, on federal lands and waters. We're, we're getting more details on this in terms of how long a ban or a pause it is and where it should apply. But I think the, the warning here um, is, is, is you have within the new administration those who would seek to end the development of oil, gas, and coal in all federal areas. And I think we know uh, the, the econo economic harm that will come to our state if that, is, if that prevails. Uh, I think most of us recognize that our country will transition off of fossil fuels or at least begin to, to capture the emissions from them in the decades ahead. Climate change is real, but I think that there are good ways to address it and not so good ways to address it. In the good category, 
I would I'd put out there my bipartisan energy bill that we passed last year, which focuses on the innovation, the R&D, the deployment of the cleaner technologies that really, really will allow us to make these transitions. But in the bad category, I would place these unilateral restrictions, which will have the, the petrocrats around the world cheering while costing Alaska jobs and, 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 and resources. So I'm, we're, we're seeing these, these announcements come out. Um, I've said that I, I want to try to work with the Biden administration when and, and where I can, and I will do so. But I'm not about to look the other way when our economy is put in harm's way, especially when we're in the midst of, of so many other threats um, that are, are, are just tough to deal with. So the message out there is, and I'm gonna be pretty crystal clear about it, Alaska is, is not a snow globe. We're, we're not one giant wildlife refuge. We, we did our part through ANILCA to conserve our best and, and most beautiful and most sensitive, environmentally sensitive places. But the other end of the bargain was and is responsible development, and we expect that the federal government will uphold it. So I'm usually a, an optimist. Um, I'm actually always an optimist. Um, and I do believe that we can find common ground on, on topics, um, many things with this administration. Let's look at infrastructure, roads, airports, ports, broadband, water, um, focusing on issues like that, that I do believe will, will bring us together, will unite us over the next four years. I want Anchorage and, and the Alaska-wide economic forecast to be as bright as possible. And I want to be able to do everything that I can in my capacity back here in the Senate to make sure that that's the case. But I think we recognize we got our work cut out for us um, in 2021 and beyond. But we've got good partners in what we're doing and uh, the opportunity to be working together on, on, on causes uh, and initiatives that make our state a better place to live and work and raise our families. Thanks for joining us today for Addressing Alaskans. You just heard the Anchorage Economic Development Corporation's 2021 Economic Forecast. This event was recorded on January 27th at Alaska Public Media and via video call. If you missed part of this show or want to watch the full event video, head to the Addressing Alaskans page at alaskapublic.org. For Alaska Public Media, I'm Ammon Swenson. Addressing Alaskans is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Theme music is by Patrick Lee. The views expressed are those of the hosts and participants and do not reflect KSKA or its underwriters. To let us know about an upcoming community event that you would like to hear on Addressing Alaskans, go to our website at alaskapublic.org and click on Contact Us at the bottom of the page. Life Informed, this is Alaska Public Media.